0: The Lord is truly good. This brings us to the end of our Kingdom First Life series today. Today is Commitment Sunday, and uh, we're going to finish up this series today. Two weeks from today is going to be called Celebration Sunday. And Celebration Sunday is the day in which we're going to report to all of you how much came in in terms of the pledges and where we are in the campaign and we're all going to celebrate together, but we're going to celebrate today as well. Yeah. So we w- invite you to stick around after service. We, we're going to have food, and we got bounce houses for the kids, and, and it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of fellowship. And so just stick around, have lunch, hang out with some folks, and let's get to know each other a little bit. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Matthew chapter thirteen, verse forty-four. I'm just going to read one verse to you. Matthew thirteen forty-four. Jesus says, "The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again." And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who found treasure in a field, and when he found it, he hid it again. And in his joy, he went out and sold all he had and bought that field. I want to take us inside that one little verse. I I I want you to... A lot of times we hear these parables of Jesus... And we don't actually get the meat of them because we don't hear them as if they're real.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, if you could imagine, if this really happened, yeah. Dyrell is walking in a field, yeah. and he trips over something. What is that? And he looks, and it's the corner of a box that's sticking up out of the ground. He's like, what is this? And he starts digging around the box. And he pulls the box up out of the earth, and he opens it up and finds within it a treasure that's more valuable than any other treasure on earth. He thinks to himself, i got to have this field. Mm. So he buries the treasure again, and he goes and finds the owner of the field. And he says, "Uh, how much for that field out there? And the owner says, that field, I could let it go for about... $900,000. $900,000. And Darrell thinks, hmm, let's see. My house, I could probably get 650000 for that. My cars, my clothes. And he starts to calculate the value of everything he owns. And he realizes that the value of everything that he owns equals $900,000. And he gets excited, overjoyed. He goes, I'll be right back with $900,000, I'm gonna buy this field. And he runs home, and he, he, he's so joyful when he runs in the house, he's jumping, and he's shouting, and he's kissing Chinway, and he says, we're selling the house. And she's like, why are we selling the house? He's like, just trust me, I'm telling you, man. I found this treasure, and it's more valuable than anything we've ever possessed. And so he puts the house on the market, and he sells it, right, and then he takes all the cash. And he go, But meanwhile, while people are looking in the house, he goes in the closet, takes out all Chinwei's clothes. <laughs> and all her shoes. She's like, well, what, what? Oh, they said the shoe, the clothes, okay, but the shoes, mm-mm. No, down to the very last shoe. And then he goes in his kids' rooms and takes all of their toys, all of their devices, Obi's video games are gone. Rumi's iPhone. Ola's iPad. Gone. And all the kids' clothes and all the kids' shoes, their backpacks, and their school stuff. He takes all of his stuff and he's giggling the whole way. His family thinks he's lost his mind. Yeah. And he goes out to the flea market. And sells everything, all his wife's jewelry. He even takes the wedding ring off of her finger and the wedding ring off of his finger and sells it. He takes the heirloom handed down from her grandmother and sells it. The watch that he inherited from his grandfather who fought in the Vietnam War. I'm just making stuff up. <laughs> I'm just trying to help you see how... how crazy, and how, like, if this actually happened, his family would be freaking out, his kids would be crying, his wife would be questioning his sanity and saying, what are you doing? But he joyfully, and his joy is so great that it overcomes all of their objections. And so he says, just wait until you see the treasure that I found. It's worth losing all of this. And his most joyful moment is the moment in which he has sold everything.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Everything. Yeah. And he's got that $900,000. Him and his kids are wearing rags. And he fills this wheelbarrow full of $900,000. He's, he's so joyful. His family is devastated. They just lost everything. He's excited. We just gained everything. And he carts that wheelbarrow off to that field with his family in tow. Now here's the problem. His family is thinking they're going to buy the most beautiful field that they've ever seen. There must be a baller house on that field. It must be bigger than the house that we now live in. It must be stocked with more clothes than we had before. They're thinking, well, if we're giving up our clothes, we must be getting better clothes because their minds are on earthly things. But when they get there, they walk in the field, and they're like, this is it? It's just a field. He's like, yes, but you haven't seen the treasure, though. Yeah. And he's still giddy. He goes up to the owner of the field and dumps all the money down at his feet, and the man starts counting. He gets up $899,000, $899,995. eight hundred ninety-nine you are $5 short. And he turns to his wife and says, you didn't. And he searches her pockets and finds a $5 bill. She's like, I just wanted to save $5 to get some KFC for the, for the kids. He says, no, this requires our everything. And he puts that last $5 in, and now he's completely destitute. He's lost everything, but the man hands him the deed to the field. And his family still feels like they've lost everything until he leads them out to the place in the field where he buried the treasure. And when he digs it up and opens the box and they look upon the treasure, all of a sudden they all realize we made out like bandits (laughs) because we surrendered what we could not keep in order to obtain what we cannot lose. Now, Jesus says, This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. The treasure is in the field. The kingdom of heaven is not the field. The kingdom of heaven is the treasure. But in order to get the treasure, you got to buy the field. Hmm. You say, I don't want to come to church every Sunday. Church is just the field, (laughs) Jesus is the treasure. You say, well, why do I got to abstain from, you know, premarital stuff? Like, why, why do I got to not do drugs? And, and is it a better life? I mean, you know, some people say if you stop drinking, you would just n- not be a very nice person. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like some folks, you're like, you know, what do I get by giving this up? Holiness, righteousness is just the field. Jesus is the treasure. Yeah. But in order to get the treasure you got to buy the field. Jesus does not come without a field. And in order to get the treasure, you've got to live in the field. What happens is we've been living in the field for so long that we've disconnected ourselves from the treasure. And when you've stopped looking upon the treasure, you start wondering, what the heck am I doing in the field? Why do I still go to this church? (laughs) I don't even like these people. They don't like me. (laughs) It's not my kind of music. Nobody there is my age. (laughs) I love that one. How many times people tell me that? I left the church because ain't nobody there my age. And I've had people in their 20s tell me that, people in their 30s tell me that, people in their 40s tell me that, and people in their 50s. All of them can't be right. (laughs) You know why you're tired of living in the field? Because you're disconnected from the treasure. And the moment you begin to connect with the treasure you realize that there's absolutely nothing that you have ever surrendered or sacrificed or given that ever even remotely compares to what you've received. That is, if you ever give or surrender or sacrifice anything in your relationship to God and you feel the loss of it, it means you're disconnected from the treasure. Because being connected to the treasure, you never feel loss. It means... You bought the field, but forgot the treasure. Wow. Can you imagine buying the field and living in the field? I just bought this field because I just want to be obedient to God. God just told me to live in this field because God just wants it to be hard. And so we're just sleeping out in this field. And I guess I'm just going to stay in this. Open the treasure. Yeah. Yeah. Connect with the treasure. It's not about the field. It's yeah. about the treasure. Living in the treasure makes living in the field a joyful yeah, experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, today we're talking about commitment. I I want us to understand the nature of commitment. The concept of commitment, it means to go all in on something. When the man discovered the treasure in the field, he made a decision to go all in to get the field. He knew that getting the field would cost him everything, and he decided, I'm gonna play this hand. When he found the treasure, he decided what's in this hand is so strong that nothing can defeat this hand. I'm going to go all in on this hand. Like you're gambling and you got a hand and you don't care what's in anybody else's hand, you know you got the strongest hand. What's the strongest hand you can have? A royal flush. I didn't know that. I, I literally asked. <laughs> you got a royal flush, it don't matter if somebody else has a straight or, or a, a, a what? A, whatever. <laughs> You're not even tripping. You go all in on that hand because you know that your hand is stronger than everybody else's hand. And so you can go all in on the strongest hand. David said, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. David said, I'm going all in on this hand because the Lord is at this hand. And because the Lord is at this hand, nothing can beat this hand. I don't care what's in the devil's hand. I don't care what's in the world's hand. I know what's in this hand. So I'm going all in on this hand. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge him, and he's going to direct my paths. Now, here's really the point of the message. Committing yourself to God means going all in on this hand. But the test of whether you are committed to the Lord or not is always how you respond to trouble. Because you can say you're committed to God, but if you don't actually turn to Him and trust Him in the time of trouble, you're a liar. You're just a liar. And saying that you commit to God without actually committing to God, that's called religion. And all religion is is an empty field with no treasure that you live in out of obligation to a deity that you're completely disconnected from. Imagine praying every day but having no connection with God. That's religion. Coming to church every Sunday, but having no connection with God—that's religion. You're just yep. living in an empty field, yep. and you're thinking that religion is to live a, a life as miserable as yours. Yep. And you're telling everybody else about your miserable religious life, yep. and wondering why nobody wants it because nobody can see a treasure in wow. your field. Yep. Yep. Now, in 2 Chronicles chapter fourteen through sixteen, there's a story. Of one of the kings of Israel, his name was Asa. He was actually one of the kings of Judah, the southern kingdom. At the time, the kingdom was divided between the northern and the southern kingdoms. The southern kingdom was comprised of two tribes the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. And Asa, his father's name was Abijah. And when he became king for 10 years, there was complete and total rest. There was no war. There was no opposition. God gave him rest. Yeah. And the scripture says he did what was right and good in the eyes of God. He started tearing down some altars and some high places. And he served the Lord. He was commanding the people of Israel to follow the commands of the Lord. Everything was great. Until 10 years into his reign, there was a time of crisis. How many know that when you first commit your life to Jesus Christ, there's this period of peace yeah. in which it's just me and Jesus? And I, how many times have you seen, oh, I just love the Lord so much, and oh, he's my Savior and my Lord, hallelujah. There's shandos everywhere and, you know, <laughs> bow ties being retied. And, and <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And then as soon as they hit trouble, yeah. that's where the real test is. Yeah. Now, what happens in verse 9 of 1 Chronicles chapter 14 is that Asa hits a time of trouble. Uh, the Cushite army came against him, and Asa at the time had an army of 580,000 men, 300,000 men with shields and big, and big, uh, big shields and, and long uh, spears, and 280,000 with small shields and bows and arrows. So he had 280,000 archers and 300,000 foot soldiers with spears. So that's a pretty strong army in that day. Yeah. But the Ethiopians came against him, or the Kushites, depending on what translation you're looking at. They came against him, the NKJV says, they came against him with an army of a thousand men. I'm, I'm sorry, a million men. Yeah. Oh. Forgive me, my, i got to get my brain in gear here. A million men with 300 chariots. Asa didn't have any chariots at that time. If you had chariots, it was like tanks, mm. right? I mean, charioteers could just run over. There was no way he was going to defeat this army. But in verse 11, the scripture says that Asa sought the Lord his God. He looks at this army and then he looks at his army and he realized that they don't have a chance and he realizes that unless God intervenes, he's going to be defeated. He realizes that unless God works a miracle, it's about to be all bad. And so what does he do? He calls on the Lord. He cries out to the Lord. He says, oh Lord God, there is no one like you. To defend the weak, the powerless against the mighty. There's no one like you to defend the powerless against the mighty. Do you hear what he's saying? Lord, we are qualified for your intervention because we are powerless. He only works miracles on behalf of those who are powerless. He doesn't work miracles on behalf of the mighty, only the weak. You say, I want to experience the resurrection power of Jesus, then you got to die. You've got to be going through something, but the beautiful thing is if you are going through something right now, you are qualified for a breakthrough. Amen. And so he cries out to the Lord, and he says, Lord, actually, I want to read the verse. It's 2 Chronicles 14, verse 11, because I want to get it right here. Then Asa called to the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you, and in your name we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. Now what happens? Verse 12. The Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. The Cushites fled, and Asa and his army pursued them as far as Gerar. Such a great number of Cushites fell that they could not recover. They were crushed before the Lord and his forces. Right? Now watch what happens. In chapter 15, on the heels of this great dramatic in-breaking of the intervention of God and the deliverance of the people of God, the Spirit of God came on Azariah, son of Obed. This is in... In chapter 15, verse 1 and following, God raises up this prophet, and this prophet goes to Asa, Asa, and he speaks this word from the Lord. Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. The Lord is with you when you are with him. One of the most dangerous doctrines that's out there today is that the Lord will be with you no matter what. No matter what you do. No, no, no. The Lord is with you when you are with him. Hmm. Say, he'll never leave you. Yes, but you can leave him. And if you leave him, he'll respect that. I mean, because think about it. If somebody came to your house and wanted to leave, but you decided, no, you can't leave my house. That's called (laughs) kidnapping. (laughs) The Lord will not lock you in his house. He will not kidnap you. If you want to go out, he'll let you out. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he'll say, fine, then.
1: <laughs>
0: that was the N- 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 NGT, the New Ghetto <laughs> <laughs> Translation. When Asa heard these words, he was strengthened. He was encouraged. And guess what he did? First thing he went, did is he went out and he tore down more of the foreign altars uh-huh. and the gods. Second thing he did is he rebuilt and renewed the altar of the Lord. Third thing he did is he called all Israel together and commanded them to seek the Lord. Now watch what happens. He does what's right in the eyes of the Lord. He hits crisis. And then he depends upon the Lord in the midst of his crisis. God gives victory. And then he strengthens his resolve to serve the Lord in the aftermath of the crisis. That's what the Christian life is supposed to look like. That's what the life of faith is supposed to look like. You do what's right because here's the problem with most believers: we think if I do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, I should never have a crisis. And then once I have a crisis, well, man, I've been doing what's right in the eyes of the Lord. See, I knew there was nothing to this thing. The promises of the Lord, please. I've been I've been giving my tithes. Why am I broke? But no, you're going to have trouble. There's no promise in scripture that if you do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, you'll never have trouble. Matter of fact, there's the opposite promise. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. However, the Lord delivers him out of them all. The promise is that you'll never, not that you'll never have trouble, but that God will be with you in trouble and deliver you out of trouble. And so Asa does it right. To this point. And then you get to chapter 16, and 30 years had gone by. I guess he just got tired of seeking the Lord. You know, the Bible says, do not become weary in well-doing. Yeah. It's the saddest thing when I see believers become weary in well-doing. Yeah. It's one thing when somebody makes a new commitment to serve Jesus and then walks away within six months. That's sad. But you know what's sadder? Is when you see somebody walk strong with Jesus for 10 years or 20 years and then walk away from him?
1: Yeah.
0: That's sad. Because you've had so much history yeah. in your walk with him. Yeah. And to walk away now? Yeah. After all he did for you? After 30 years of the Lord being with Asa, yeah. establishing his throne, giving him rest for his in- from his enemies, all of a sudden the northern kingdom of Israel came against him and surrounded him. And he was stuck. So instead of seeking the Lord. By the way, in this reform in chapter 15, one thing I missed that's so important. He removed his mother as the queen mother of Israel. Why? Because she was an idolater. She set up an Asherah pole. Hmm. I got to stop on that for a second. When you remove your mama... I mean, it's one thing, you know, you can, you can move, okay, this person is supposed to have this position, but when it's your own mother?
1: Yeah.
0: That demonstrated that at that time, his loyalty to the Lord was greater than even his own blood. Yeah. He was more committed to obeying God than his own mama? Yeah. This dude was serious. Yeah. But now we get to chapter 16. The northern kingdom of Israel comes against him. He realizes that he can't face the army that's coming against him. But he doesn't spend five minutes in prayer. See, this is the real test. In your crisis, do you immediately start to crunch the numbers or do you turn to the Lord? In his first crisis, knee-jerk, reflex, Lord, we need you. That was his. See, you can tell where your heart is by where it goes in crisis. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can locate your heart by observing it during the time of crisis. Do you disconnect from the Lord in a time of crisis, or do you draw deeper and closer to Him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of turning to the Lord, guess what he does? He goes into the temple and takes out all the gold and silver, he robs the house of God and sends it all to the Syrians. All of the offerings that had been given to the Lord, it's like, literally, it's like, we have a crisis, so I go into the church bank account, take out all the money, and hire a law firm or, I, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm struggling to kind of think of what the apt metaphor was. He hires mercenaries from Syria to come rescue him from the disaster. I, I want you to get, get a picture of this. He takes his tithe and gives it to the Syrians. He robbed the Lord. That's what it literally says. He takes his offering, that which had been given to the Lord, that which was set up. When you hit a time of financial crisis, do you turn to the Lord or do you rob him? He takes the gold and silver out of the house of the Lord and sends it to the Syrians. And instead of trusting God, he trusts the Syrians. Mm. So the Syrian mercenaries come to his rescue, and he thinks, oh, thank God. So often we're thanking God for stuff that we did in the flesh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank God. And he's going, mm-mm, I had nothing to do with that.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, you did that. yeah. yeah. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So now God raises up another prophet, and the prophet comes to him and says, Asa, because you trusted the Syrians instead of trusting the Lord, not only have the Syrians escaped from your hand, which meant the Lord wanted to give him the Syrians. But because you trusted the Syrians instead of trusting the Lord, you're going to have war from now on there's going to be no more peace you, for you. On every side, you're going to be attacked and you're going to be oppressed. You're going to be in constant chaos. Why? Because you've trusted the Syria. You see, some of us are going through, you know, we talked about going through a test and we talked about going to a, through a trial, yeah. but some of us are under discipline. Wow. And the discipline of the Lord is when the struggle that you're facing is because you trusted man and not trusted God. And, and the Lord would release you from his discipline if you would simply make a decision
1: yeah.
0: to return to the Lord and get that right. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: When the prophet spoke to Asa, he had a choice. Yeah. He could have woke up and said, yeah. hold on a second. I wish I would have done what I did with the, with the Ethiopians, yeah. with the Kushites. I need to go back and renew my pledge to seek the Lord with all my heart. But instead, he takes the prophet and puts him in prison. Mercy. Instead, he punishes the prophet who speaks the word. And the prophet ends with this in verse 9. This is the, this is the passage, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord travel to and fro throughout the earth, Just imagine a pair of
1: eyes
0: (laughs) just going all over the earth. Like God just takes out his eyes and says, go find them for me. And his eyes are just like just all over the earth, searching, looking for hearts that are fully committed to him, Mm. to show himself strong on their behalf, which means God, he wants to show himself strong on your behalf. But if he doesn't find your heart committed to him, he can't do it. Yeah. When it says searching, it means there's not many. Yeah. He has to search for those. Wow. The eyes of the Lord going on looking at that heart. Nope. that heart. No, nope, that heart. Mm-mm, ah, there's one. And <laughs> the eyes of the Lord look up. You can show yourself strong on behalf of this one. Yeah. And, and the angel just writes it down. Show myself strong on behalf of Jojo. Got it. <laughs> Skip Jerry, skip Ilbum. No, I'm just kidding. Just playing, just kidding, just kidding. It's a metaphor. Just an example. What does he look for? Those whose hearts are completely committed to him. What does committed mean? All in.
1: Yeah.
0: For he's looking for those who in their hearts hold him as their only hand. Wow. Yes. I'm going all in on this hand. Yes. This, is, this is my hand. I got the strongest hand. Because He is at my right hand, I have set the Lord always yeah. before me. Because He is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Okay. I have set the Lord always before me. I'm always going to play this hand. What yeah. are you going to do in financial distress? I'm going to play this hand. I'm going to trust yeah, the Lord. Yeah, so good. What are you going to do in relational distress? Um, I'm going to play this yeah, hand. I'm going to yeah, trust yeah, the Lord. Yeah, yeah. What are you going to do when you lose your job? Um, I'm going to play this hand. I'm going to trust the Lord. What are you going to do when God calls you to the place of sacrifice? Um, I'm going to play this hand. I'm going to trust the Lord. At every season of my life, I'm going to trust the Lord. And the way to demonstrate my trust in the Lord is to seek Him for direction in time of trouble and do what He tells me to do.
1: do. Yeah. Yeah. Amen.
0: All in. in. That's the definition of commitment, I'm all in. All of my chips, I'm all in. I sold my house, I'm all in. I've sold my clothes, I'm all in. I've sold my sneakers, I'm all in. All of my sneakers. (laughs) Pastor Jeremy, (laughs) on the other, over in soda. Everything, take my keyboard, take my equipment, take all my cameras. All of them. I'm all in. My watches, my everything. I'm all in. I'm. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm not giving it up to man. I'm not giving it up to y'all. I'm giving it up to Jesus. I'm all in. It means that I'm going to commit myself to this course of action. I'm going to pledge myself to this course of action. I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm going to obey his voice. And here's the beautiful thing. That's what we came here to do today.
1: Yeah.
0: This is called Commitment Sunday.
1: Yeah.
0: And I don't want us to get it twisted.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because we're not here to commit to a building.
1: Yeah.
0: We're not here to commit to an amount of money. Yeah. Don't you dare think you're here to commit to helping Pastor Benjamin. <laughs> Please keep your card if that's what you think. Because the house is for God and not for man. We are here to commit to the Lord. With all of our hearts. With all of our strength. To say, God, I'm all in. And it's all you. All I need is your direction. I'm going to do whatever you tell me. I don't care what I lose because it's impossible to lose. When I'm holding this hand,
1: yes. Amen. 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 Yes.
0: Yes. Amen. Amen. Jimmy, if you'd come to the keyboard, I, I want us just to mm. bow our heads. Well, no, but just look at me for a minute. We, we're going to get there. We're going to bow our heads in just a second. Amen. This is a holy day.
1: Amen.
0: I've said many times that this today
1: yeah.
0: is the most important day in the history of our church. Yeah. It's taken us 16, Years, two months, and one day to get here. Many of us have been here. Some of us in this room have been here for all 16 of those years. Others for 10, others for 7, others for 5, others for 3. However long you've been here, you've participated in this journey. Mm. And you have longed with us and prayed with us and fought with us for this day. And it's here. And so we celebrate Jesus on this day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I'm thankful. Yeah.
0: I'm thankful to God because it's all him.
1: Amen. Yeah.
0: Now, if you're visiting us today, I want to say that this is a rare opportunity to see us at our best.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. We believe in giving everything for the kingdom. Yes. Yes, and if you're a visitor here today, you're getting ready to see us do that. And so if you're a visitor, I'm just going to ask you just to relax, that you don't have to get up or do anything or feel any pressure, nothing. Just watch. Watch what it looks like for a body of believers to go all in for Jesus. Now, we all know it's Commitment Sunday. It's the day in which we're going to bring our commitment cards and set them here at the altar. Let me say that some of you may not be ready for that, and that's okay. Some of you may need one more week, and that's okay. You just take that commitment commitment card home with you and keep praying. But many of you already are ready. And we had Advanced Commitment Night a week and two days ago and many of our leaders went first and and brought their commitments before the Lord. And some of you have been just as excited as I've been and my wife has been and our our team has been looking forward to this day. And I want to say that this is about God. This is about His kingdom. I want to say that what we're putting our money into Is the kingdom of God. It's about providing a place for the Lord. David said it. He said, I will give my eyes no rest until I find a place for the Lord. Yeah, yeah. He said, How is it that I live in a house of cedar while the house of the Lord is a tent? How is it that I live in a permanent home but God lives in a tent? David said, There's no way that I can sleep in my house of cedar and the Lord sleeps in a tent. I will give my eyes no rest until I find a place for the Lord. That's the heart behind today. This is for the Lord. Yeah. This is for God and for his kingdom. And in a moment, we're going to bow our heads and pray. And then I'm going to give you a moment to fill out your cards. You're simply going to write your pledge in the, the specific lines on the card, your expanded giving. Now, I want to make clear that the only thing we're collecting today are the pledge cards. If you need one, lift your hand. The ushers are coming around, handing them out. If there wasn't one on your seat, we need one over here. We're not receiving money today. This is just the pledge card today. Two weeks from today is going to be Commitment Sunday. That's the 15th of March. A Celebration Sunday. On Celebration Sunday, we're going to tell you the amount that we've raised in pledges, and on that day, we're going to receive the first extraordinary offering, and the monthly giving over a 24-month period begins on that day and continues for the next 24 months. So today, it's just the card. You don't have to have anything else with you. Just grab that pen and that card. If you... We're here at Advanced Commitment Night, but you need to change your pledge. Feel free free to do that. And in fact, if you need to change your pledge at any time, you can just send an email to finance at livinghopecc.us and let us know. We'll change it for you, it's no problem. This is about our hearts before the Lord, that's all. Our hearts before the Lord. So I'm gonna say a prayer. Please write your name at the top of the card, otherwise we won't know who you are, okay? I'm gonna say a prayer, then I'm gonna give you a moment. And then as one body, as one house. Yeah. We're going to come to the front. Just, just come to the front and lay your card on the altar here at the front. Same thing there on the San Francisco side. Just right there in front of where the worship team is. Just lay your card right there at the front. And we're going to commit ourselves to the Lord in this way. Amen? Yeah, Let's pray. Precious Heavenly Father, I thank you for this moment. This is a holy moment. And I pray, Father, for each and every one of your sons and daughters, both here and in San Francisco, that you would untangle our hearts, untangle our souls, and give us clarity at this moment and freedom in this moment. All we need to know is what you're asking us for. I don't need to know what you're asking anybody else. I just need to know what you're asking me. And Lord, if you lead me, I'll follow. My heart says yes. And So I just speak your blessing over these, your people today. Those who are here, those who are in San Francisco, those who are listening to the podcast, I speak blessing and encouragement over each and every one. Now guide us. Even as we put pen to the card, guide our hands. We trust in you. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Now just take a moment right now to fill out that card. If you came to Advanced Commitment Night, please fill it out again. We're not going to double count it. We just all want to participate in this, the whole body. If you need to change it from Advanced Commitment Night, just put revised at the top and we'll change it. We will not double count your card. My wife and I are going to lead the way. We've got our commitment here. We're going first. This is the largest financial commitment that we have ever made before in our lives. This is the biggest offering. It's more, the monthly is going to be more than our monthly tithe. It's in addition to the tithe. This does not replace the tithe. Why? Because this is not for us. This is for God. And we want to be the examples that we're going all in here. Go ahead, just take a moment. Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God who sits high and looks low. That you've called us to lift up our heads and look high. But Lord, there's no way for us to look high without bowing low. The most exalted place that we could ever find ourselves is at the feet of Jesus. And so Lord, as we bring As we bring this faith pledge to you today, we pray that you would receive it from our hands. The offering is for you and for you alone. We surrender to you, Lord. With all of our hearts, we surrender. And we give you praise in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Now, here's what we're going to do. In a moment, I'm going to release you to bring your, your pledges. I'm just gonna ask you to lay them on the altar face down so that nobody gets to look down and see your pledge. The black part should be up facing you, okay? And secondly, when you lay it at the altar, I want you to move to the side, but stay in the altar area because we're going to have a massive altar call here. Make space for people coming behind you to put their, their pledge, but we're, we're, when, we're, when we're done getting all these pledge cards here, we're going to have a massive altar call. We're going to seek the face of God, and we're going to believe the fire of God to come upon the sacrifice that we lay on this altar here. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I'm going to count to three, and then we're going to bring our pledges to the Lord. Yeah. I know that's corny, but whatever.